chapter 4, and uh, just want to share with you guys what's on my heart today. You know, when, uh, when the grace of God comes into your life, um, you know, it just... Now, we all receive grace in the beginning because it's the only way you can start, but when, you, when you've spent some time under legalism and uh, then you start to get your eyes open, you know, to the goodness of God and to His kindness and His unconditional love and just all these aspects of who He is, it, it really starts to change all the dynamics of the way that you relate to God and uh, it changes your relationship with God. And, you know, we're not under the old covenant anymore. We're under the new covenant. And, uh, you know, under the new, everything's based on grace and faith. And uh, God has done everything for us already. And uh, he is the initiator of the blessing. He's the one who, who, who starts it out. And uh, our part really is just to receive it. And as we receive all of the things that God's brought into our life, it just changes us. It changes us from the inside out. changes uh, our relationships. It changes the way that we relate to him. And, um, you know, it's just a totally different thing. And, it, you know, it reminds me of um, uh, where Jesus is talking about, you know, come and take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And he's speaking that to people who are under that oppressive yoke of, of legalism. He's speaking that to the Jewish people. And how I many you know that your relationship with God really shouldn't be oppressive? You know, I mean, it really shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, a, it shouldn't be an oppressive and difficult thing. And you know, some of the greatest moments of anguish in my life is when I was trying to approach God from a perspective of, of legalism and felt like he was always disappointed in me and, you know, never measured up. And half the time I was blessed, half the time I was cursed. And uh, sometimes I was forgiven, sometimes I wasn't. And it left me just in this state of turmoil. I mean, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you don't know how you're, you know, just like with your natural father, if you think your father's going to, he might hug you or he might backhand you and you never know which one you're going to get. How I many of that's going to, that's going to really, it's going to affect your relationship, right? And so, you know, we come to find out that God, God's not in the backhand giving business. God's in the hugging business. And, and uh, many of us, we've been backhanded by religion, man-made religion for a long period of time. And, and, uh, you know, how I many you know someone who's been abused, it takes time to recover, right? You know, when someone's been through abuse, any type of abuse, and, um, you know, we're, we're relating to God differently. And so when, when we start to see this amazing grace and we start to see the new covenant and uh, it starts to change things in us, I mean, you know, it begins to, to change our motivations. You know, used to be I served God in order to be forgiven. I served God in order to be blessed. I served God in order to get to heaven. I served God in order to miss hell. I served God... Um, in order, because I was, I was scared of him, and I thought he was going to curse me if I didn't serve him, and, you know, all of those things, um, many of us, we've had um, wrong motivations in terms of, of how we served God, and so then all of a sudden, you know, the grace of God comes in and, and, and starts to show you that, that how I many you're forgiven based on Jesus, not your service to God. Can I get an amen? Yeah. You're blessed based on Jesus, uh, not, not necessarily your service to God, Right? Uh, God blesses you first. You know, we, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You know, we're living in a state of blessedness. We're living in a state of forgiveness. We're living in a state of being loved. I mean, no, you can't make God love you more and you can't make God love you less, right? And so all of these realities, they, they, they start to come into our hearts and come into our, to our lives. And so then, you know, our motivation for, 
for why we do what we do starts to change. You know, how many know that you can you can make a child do something out of um, out of you know fear of punishment? You know, if you don't do this, then this is going to happen. You know, and that child can do that as a result of not of wanting to not be punished, right? And you can get you can make obedience happen like that. But how many know there's a higher place in a child's heart where they're doing the right thing because they love you and because they love themselves, right? How many know that's a higher place? It's actually coming out of a place of want to. Um, it's not coming out of a place of, of have to. And uh, how many know that's a higher level of obedience? Now, as we arrive to, as children arrive to that higher place, how I many you know that you know that there's some crutches that they got to have along the way? You know, like you know, two primary ways we motivate Eli is you know, a reward, chocolate. <laughs> you know, and and he's he's and it's okay to be reward motivated. I mean, there's nothing unbiblical about that. You know, how I many know God's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him? Can I get an amen? God's into rewards. Like He wants to, He loves to reward His kids. But how many of the the rewards are near Him, not far from Him? How many know there's there's chocolates in Daddy's pocket, but you got to sit on His lap in order to enjoy those things, right? And um, not in the sense of earning, but just in the sense of nearness and closeness. So rewards is good. I mean, there's nothing. And then the other way we motivate Eli is timeout. You know, timeout. You do this, we're going to put you in timeout. You know, so there's those things, but. With Ethan, as Ethan's getting older, I mean, you know, Ethan is, has more liberty than what Eli has. He has more freedom. Why? Because he's more mature. And uh, we, just, we just keep giving him freedom. We keep giving him freedom. And he just keeps growing into it. And he keep, he's maturing and he can handle it. You know, he has a lot more freedom than a lot of his friends do, um, but he handles that freedom well. Why? Because he, he, he's living, and I'm not saying he doesn't make mistakes because he makes mistakes. We all make mistakes. But what I'm saying is we're, we're increasing his freedom to the point where he's eventually going to be an adult. And then he's going to be, and he's going to be able to call the shots. And that's one of the things that's important as, as a parent. You want, <clears throat> you want to raise your children to ultimately be adults. You don't want to raise them to be children their entire lives. Can't get an amen. The greatest thing you can do for a child is make them not dependent on you. And I know that that, that excites no moms on earth. <laughs> Because <laughs> mamas, you know, they, they, they love that, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a part of being a mom. But ultimately, we, we raise our kids so that, they can, so that they can be adults and so that they can handle freedom. Okay, get an amen. We used to uh, run a teen center in downtown Frankfurt for many years, and the children that we had the most trouble with uh, were the kids whose parents were insanely strict because they were always, you know, no, 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 breathing down their neck. <clears throat> well, once those kids turned 18, you know, they got a load of freedom dropped into their lap that they weren't ready to handle. And many of them, they just lost their minds. <clears throat> and then thank God, how you know, the Bible says you train up a child in the way they should go and they shall not depart from it. Many of them came back, thank God, but many of them had some real hard years because they had to learn how to handle freedom all of a sudden. And they didn't have freedom before that. And listen, if that was you or, or, or that was your life, just be at peace. Please understand that God, how many of God will restore even what legalism is taken from us? Can I get an amen? So don't feel bad about that. You just did the best with what you, what you knew how to do. <clears throat> but ultimately what we want to do is we, we want to give our children this place of freedom so they can mature and so they can choose life. Well, that's what grace does for you. Grace brings you into a place of freedom. 
It lets you know that God loves you and you're forgiven and you're blessed because of Jesus. How I many of you know that's a totally different dynamic than legalism? Legalism says you're blessed based on your church attendance. You're, you're, you're blessed based on how much you give. You're blessed based on how much you serve. You're, 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 the blessing is, you know, you can deserve it and you can earn it. How I many you know you can motivate people like that big time? But how I many you know you cannot produce maturity in people like that? You can't. You can't. How I many you know if, if I took, if I took um, Eli, who's three right now, and I kept the same rules on him until he was 18, he'd never mature. Right? How I many you know you can't mature without freedom? You can't mature without the ability to choose and to live out of your heart. And so in legalism, a lot of times what happens is people don't actually mature and grow up and have their own relationship with God. They just live in a state of fear, of punishment, and a chance of reward. And so what ends up happening is they don't actually learn how to hear God for themselves. They don't actually live in a place of maturity and become spirit-led. They become pastor-dependent. They become uh, church-dependent totally to the point where they can't actually, they don't have their own relationship with God. You pull them out of their church or you pull them away from the minister or leader and they don't know how to hear God for themselves. They don't know how to pray for themselves. They don't know how to do anything for themselves because they never had an opportunity to actually mature. So what grace does is it brings you into a place of freedom and it creates an environment where you can mature and you can actually be spirit-led and you can actually hear God for yourselves. But how many know with freedom comes responsibility? Can I get an amen? For with freedom comes responsibility. And, and so what we want to do is we want to learn how to steward the grace of God. Anybody know what stewardship is? Never heard of stewardship before? Probably. I mean, not a probably word you use all the time. But it's where you take care of something that's not yours. Right? And you, you take care of it, and you steward it. And, you know, you know how many know that, that God's all about stewardship? I mean, oh, God will give you something amazing, but it's, it's your, it's, you're called to, to steward it. You're called to take care of it. You're called to, to watch over it and to, um, to, to handle it. I mean, you know, in the beginning, God, this whole earth was given to man to, to be steward over. You know, God created the garden. God um, created all the amazing things in the garden. Then he gave it to man to steward over. How many know man failed that stewardship? And that's kind of why, why we're at where we're at right now. They, but God gave them freedom. How I many know God did not create robots in the garden? He gave man freedom, right? God's plan for your life is always freedom. Always freedom, right? Because if you're made, to, if you're forced to do something, your action doesn't mean anything. Like, for example, when we were up here worshiping this morning, uh, we didn't have worship online today. Our worship leader's out. So we had worship just in-house. And, uh, but while we were worshiping this morning, Eli leaned over and, and kissed me several times, right? Now, his, Eli's kisses mean a lot because he, he, when he kisses you, he's kissing you because he's choosing to kiss you or to hug you, right? He, he, he's, like a, he's like a little cat. You know, he, he, his affection is purposeful, and it's on his terms. <laughs> now, I can, I can make him hug me. I can make him kiss me. 
you know, not, you know, come here, give me a kiss, you know, whatever. But when he, out of his heart, chooses to give me affection, it means more than if I made him do it as his dad. You guys tracking me here on this? Don't let Lily distract you, praise God. She's cute and loud, amen. It was an amen, that's right. It was a baby amen, right? Um, but, but how many you know for Father God, it's the same way. He, he wants you to choose to love Him. He wants you to choose to worship Him. He wants you to choose to serve Him. Choose to be with Him. Are y'all tracking me here? How many know it means more? God has all kinds of kids all over this planet that they're, they're being forced to kiss Him. They're being forced to hug Him. They're being forced to congregate together and come to church. They're being forced to give. They're being forced to evangelize. They're being forced to serve. And how many know when you're forced into something, there's not as much joy as when it's done from your heart? When you're forced into something, it doesn't mean the same. And see, that's the difference between Jesus' yoke and the yoke of legalism. Jesus' yoke is easy and light because Jesus is going to deal with your heart and he's going he's to minister to you out of a place of want to. Are y'all tracking me here? The Bible says we're, um, when the desire is there, it's a tree of life. Jesus is the tree of life. He's the one that produces desire. The new covenant actually writes the laws on your heart and gives you a want to. You know, uh, and living out of the want to, living out of the desire, it is life. How many of you know it feels good to want to worship God? Amen? Now, we all get in, we've all maybe been in situations where we, you know, we kind of let our relationship with God slip and we got our butts kicked in the spirit of this world, right? And then we come running to God because we need strength, right? And there are times for that and there are times when we get busy and all that. This world's a challenging place. But how many know, and, and there's plenty of time for that, there's plenty of time to be the prodigal son, there's plenty of time to run home, all those things are still on the table, but how much more beautiful is it to just, to just live out of that place of want to and in staying in that place of relationship and fellowship with God and with other believers? Can you get an amen? But here's the thing, that takes maturity under grace, because nobody's going to make you do it. Nobody's going to threaten you. Nobody's going to make you come to church, nobody's going to make you give, nobody's going to make you serve, nobody's going to make you evangelize, nobody's going to make you use your gifts. You, you will not be threatened under the new covenant. That's not going to happen because an atmosphere of freedom is created so that you can actually grow up. <laughs> See, and this is one of the reasons a lot of people aren't attracted to grace in the new covenant is because they're put in a position where they have to actually mature. And they don't know how to be mature. They just want someone to tell them what to do. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to give. Just tell me, 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 just tell me. How I many you know the pastor or the leader or whoever is not a kindergarten teacher is going to go around and smack you on the hands? Right? The, a, a, an, an environment is created where you can have your own relationship with God and you can hear from God yourself and God will lead you to come together with the other believers. God will lead you to be a giver. God will lead you to serve with your giftings. God will lead you to do those things, but it's going to happen out of a place of relationship which requires maturity. How many know God wants mature sons and daughters of God? The Bible says that all creation groans and travails waiting for the manifestation of the glorious liberty of the children of God. The freedom. 
Let's see free Christians who are mature, who aren't made to come to church, who aren't made to give, who aren't made to serve, but actually, like Eli, choose to kiss the Father's face. Do you see how beautiful that is for God? Yeah, how warm and endearing it is for God to have mature children of God who hear His voice and are led by His Spirit. Amen? But in order for those things to happen, um, you know, once again, that, that atmosphere of liberty has to be there, and there's just a decision to mature. Now, and once again, if, if you've spent your life being beat down, you don't know how to handle freedom. It takes time to learn how to handle freedom. How many of you know freedom requires a changing of the way you think? How many of you when the slaves were emancipated, you know, during, during Lincoln's time, how many of you know many of them didn't know how to live? And some of them went back to slavery because, because they needed someone to tell them what to do. They needed someone to, 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 to command them and order them because they did not feel comfortable in slavery. How many of you know there are people um, who, who don't know how to handle not being in jail? I've had friends like that. They didn't know how to handle it. They liked jail. They did stuff to go to jail because there was a sense of safety in jail because they got three meals and, you know, they, they had a place to live. And, and, and I know that may sound crazy to some of you guys, but there, there, some people fear freedom because they, they don't know how to live for themselves. But how many of you know God is calling His people out of slavery? Can I get an amen? God's calling His, pe- His people out of legalism. He's calling people out of that into a place of maturity into a place of hearing God for yourself, into a place of being spirit-led. Amen? In 1 Peter chapter 4, and in verse 10, it says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Good stewards of... Manifold is just a word for many. Many graces of God. Now, one of the things you have to understand about grace is grace is, you know, you're no longer under law, you're no longer under uh, doing in order to be blessed or even to become. Uh, now you're under a different system where God's done it all for you. It's your part to just receive it. And so you are no longer under law, you're now under grace. What does that mean? That means you're, you're forgiven. God's not going to count your sin against you. Doesn't mean your sin doesn't have repercussions. How many know if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap of the flesh? How many of you know if you do dumb stuff, you get dumb results? Can I get an oh me? <laughs> but how many of you know God Himself is never going to be your enemy? God Himself is never going to be against you. God has given you an eternal forgiveness. And so you're not under the law, you're under grace. And so it's, it's just the beauty of the Father. His countenance is shining upon you. He's for you and He's with you. So there's an element of grace. It's like this vertical sense of grace. But then there's this other aspect of grace you know, and that would fall under the lines of unmerited favor. God comes in and He blesses you because He loves you. But then there's another aspect of grace that's, that is the divine influence upon the heart. And what that means is that grace is going to come to you and grace is going to empower you to do something. Like right now, if, I, if I'm doing this thing correctly, the gift that I'm operating in, I don't want to be doing this in my own strength. I want, to be, I want to be flowing out of a grace. You ever had a time when things, there was an ease to things? I'm not saying life didn't have challenges, but there was just an ease, right? In that, that's where grace is. The word for grace is the word charis, um, where, where kara, the root of that is joy. 
So when grace, when you're operating in grace as an empowerment, the divine influence upon the heart, there's going to be a joy and there's going to be an ease to things. Doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges. Like yesterday, we as a family had about 6,000 challenges right in a row. Like bam, 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 bam. And we had all these challenges, but like we overcame all those challenges together as a family, and there was an element of joy in it. Like we just stop and laugh. You ever had so many things go wrong, it's just funny? You're just like, wow, okay. You know, like the enemy's overplaying his hand. You know, it's like, okay, we clearly see you're trying to discourage us. We clearly see what you're trying to do, but we don't care. We're still going to have a good day, and we're going to have joy. Amen? And we overcame that. To all those things together as a family on the other side of that, man, we, we were in a place of victory. And how many know there's tremendous development in those times? When you're stretched beyond your ability, you're stretched beyond your strength, and you still see God show up and you still overcome, how many know there's tremendous development on those days? Development doesn't happen with, with, with no resistance. Development happens many times when there is resistance and you have challenges. Amen. We all need giants to slay, whether we realize it or not. Uh, but there was a joy that was in even the overcoming as all these things went wrong around us. And so when, when you're in grace, how many of there's a grace for everything? How many of there's a grace to parent? There's a, there, there's a grace to, to, to be a son or a daughter. How many of there's, there's a grace to preach? There's a grace to serve. There's a grace to, to, to love. Um, there, there's, a, there's a grace to, to work with kids. There's a grace to do media and technology. There's a grace for everything. Well, we, how, do we, how do we access that grace? Well, we recognize this. Grace himself is living on the inside of us. Jesus came with grace and truth. As he is, so are we in this world. And so you may be facing something that's greater than your ability, but how many know it's not greater than God's ability? You say to yourself, you know what? I can't do this, but God, I know you can how I many of oh, God wants to live his life through you? And so there's this place of acknowledging your weakness and saying, I really can't do this on my own. But then in that same place, by faith, by believing, taking up his hand of strength and allowing the Lord to give you the victory in that situation. It might be a difficult relationship. You know, how I many of oh, relationships require grace? Sometimes I think relationships require more grace than anything else because we're dealing with two different wills, right? Um. But, but whatever you're facing, God will help you with it. But you just need to acknowledge your own weakness, but at the same time acknowledge his strength. And, you know, it reminds me of that passage in, in Corinthians where, you know, he said, I besought the Lord three times that he take it away from me. But, it, you know, he, he was saying, you know, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So you're never going to arrive to a place where you don't have need or weakness. That's a part of what makes you attractive to God. How I many of you know, he's the Savior and you're the savior E. <laughs> Y'all understand that, right? We're in Kentucky, so it's cool we can create words. Uh, um, but in that place, there is a place of accessing this grace. How many of there's a grace to get set free from addiction? There's a grace to get set free from fear and from worry. And so I say all that to say this. You're not under the law, you're under grace, but then that grace is going to begin to flow through you. And how many know you're going to take that grace and you're going to help and serve other people with it? Let's look at it again in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the many graces of God. And so God is going to grace you with certain abilities. God's going to grace you with certain things. And how many know that we're, we're actually... The stewardship of that grace is that we use it to help each other. 
Can I get an amen? We all have different gifts, man, and you're going to have different callings, and you can take that gift and you can serve other people with. That's your stewardship. So we have a stewardship of grace in this, that we don't take our liberty and use it for an occasion to the flesh. How many know we don't want to take advantage of the freedom that God's given us? How many know we want to serve God? Can I get an amen? We want to come together. We want to be a part of the body of Christ. We don't want to abuse our liberty. We, we want to, 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 to give God that kiss because we want to give it. Amen? That's a part of maturity. That's a part of being spirit-led. And then the next aspect of it is the giftings that God's placed on the inside of you, you want to take those and you want to serve other people with. And, and I know in legalism, many of us, we've been hurt tremendously because we've been taken advantage of, right? Been taken advantage of, been demanded too much of, all of these things. But don't allow past abuse to rob you of the joy of the real thing that God has. Can I get an amen? Praise God, right? How many know, uh, uh, so, so many things can be abused. How many know marriage, when it's done properly, is absolutely beautiful? But how many know that when it's, when it's done wrong, it's one of the worst things on earth? How many know sex, when it's, when it's done you know, within God's will, is a beautiful gift? But when it's done, done wrong, it's destroyed many, many people's lives, right? Sleeps the same way, food's the same way. All of these things are gifts from God, but if, if they're done wrong, they can be abused. If they're done correctly, then it's like this beautiful gift. And so you're, we're called to serve. Say that with me. Say, I'm called to serve. That's everybody that's in here. That's everybody online. Without some element of serving in your life, you are not going to be happy. You're just not. I mean, that's one of the, it's one of the secrets that Jesus gave. When Jesus washed everybody's feet afterwards, he said, happy are you if you do this. And it's like, what is he talking about? You know, we have all these what is he talking about Jesus moments. You know, like, what is he talking about? But what he was saying was, when you serve out of a willing heart and out of love, that's when you're happy. Oh, it's a secret. See, the world says you'll be happy when you're in control and you have everything and you're on top and you're the man. Then you're going to be happy. I mean, you know, Hollywood's proven that to be wrong over and over again. Some of the most miserable people on earth are, are, are the richest, best looking, most talented, you know, have everything they want, and these people are completely miserable. Why? Because it's a trick. How I many know oh, the devil can't make you happy? He can't do it. I mean, I'm not saying everybody in Hollywood's of the devil, because there are, there are godly people that are in there and they're working, but as a whole, the system is not of, this, of God's kingdom. But what I'm saying is, is, happy are you when you're serving? You are called to serve. You know, and your serving will probably look different than somebody else's serving. But the ultimate thing is, is that this grace that's been given to you, you're to steward it, and you're, you're to serve with it. You're to allow love to flow out of you, you know? And uh, it's, you know, I just put on two of the, the, the biggest, most challenging events that I've, that I've done. You know, I did that, the Grace Conference in, in Myrtle Beach, and then I just did this youth conference. And uh, it, 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 the demand was just insane on time and all of this stuff. But, but thank God, by the grace of God, I, 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 I was serving. And there's a joy that, to what I was doing. There was a happiness, because I was just serving people. And I enjoyed it. Like, it was awesome. Now, under legalism, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been serving out of a glad and happy heart. See, I know that whether I do what's right or do what's wrong, my daddy still loves me. Whether I do it well or I do it horrible, my daddy still loves me. How many of you know laboring out of a place of knowing you're loved is different than laboring for love? 
It's just not the same thing. Actually, it's heaven and hell on earth, man. But out of that place of serving, there was a joy in what I did, and there was like a supernatural energy in what I did because of the grace of God. Are y'all tracking me here? We all have been given grace gifts in order to serve each other with. Amen? Um, Let me read that one more time. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the grace of God. Amen? We want to steward this grace. Because in in John chapter 3 and verse 27, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. What what, what does that say in Jeremiah? How many know you don't have anything that God didn't already give you? That's a really important thing to understand. Because everything that you have, you be well, I worked for that, or I did that for, no, no, God gave you those giftings, God gave you that ability, God gave you the oxygen to breathe in order to accomplish it. When you understand that, how many know that, that, and once again, back to the Garden of Eden, it was all given to them and they were called to steward it. See, the life that you're currently living, it's not yours. You gave it up at the cross. It's His life. And, um, and He wants to live His life through you. And how many know you got some choices? You can live for yourself and live selfishly. And how many know as a Christian, you can do that as a Christian just as well as you can do it as an unbeliever. Or you can live for Him and out of a place of serving, not out of a place of legalistic demand, but out of a place of a willing heart serving, you can live as unto the Lord. How many know that's your happy place? I'm telling you right now, that's your happy place. When you're serving as unto the Lord, that's your happy place. But many of us, we've been abused in the area of serving, and so we're scared to serve because we're scared that if we do serve, that somebody's going to take advantage of us, right? And that's, and that's where grace comes in and say, listen, the number one thing in your life is your relationship with the Lord. You don't have a relationship with God through somebody else. How many of you have your own relationship with God? Amen. Can I get an amen? The whole purpose behind a church that's established on the new covenant is to teach you how to have your own relationship with God, teach you how to hear God for yourself, bring you into a place of maturity. So you, 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 so what that does is it brings a sense of freedom in you, and you're not living in a state of codependence for someone else's approval in order to feel good about your own relationship with God. Y'all tracking me here. How many of you know God loves you whether I love you or not? Can I get it? Now, I love you, and I'm grateful for you, and I'm honored to serve before you, but, but, you, but God loves you whether I do or not. And, and that's not taught a lot in churches because they, 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 they hang the sense of approval on the pastor's approval, and then the pastor basically manipulates people into doing what he wants them to do because they think it's God's approval. Unfortunately, that happens quite often. I don't think the pastors are evil for doing it. I think that's just what they're taught. They don't know how to do anything else. I mean, it takes the Holy Spirit to grow up in grace. <laughs> <laughs> Only Spirit of God can actually mature somebody. And so uh, you've been given this stuff um, to steward. Now let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, please. Still talking about stewarding grace. There's a stewardship here. Requires maturity, right? Ethan's about to get a car here pretty soon. He's going he's gonna to be 16 in a couple months. And so he's going to have a, some, uh, 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 there's a whole new level of stewardship that's going to be brought into his life, right? The ability to drive, the ability to go where he, you know where he wants to go, and there's elements of freedom uh, that's coming there, you know, and th- these are good things. Um, but there's a stewardship that's there. I mean, you know, it, it requires maturity to steward something. It requires responsibility, right? 
But it's but at the same time, it's a tremendous blessing. How many know there have been young people that stewarded vehicles wrong? <laughs> That's an understatement, right? <laughs> that bore witness with a few people in the crowd. Hallelujah. <laughs> Yeah, me too. But just think about the young man, and I hate to bring this up because it's such a tragedy, but there was a U.K. player who was in Vegas going 100 miles an hour down the strip and died. And he was about to go to the NBA. He was about to be a multimillionaire, living his dream, but because he couldn't handle the stewardship of a car and probably other areas of his life as well, it killed him. Life snuffed out at 19 years old. Absolute basketball superstar. NBA was paved before him. His life's over. Sad, right? And so, there, and, and I say that to, to say this. I mean, just because, I mean, you know, there's, it takes maturity to steward something. And see, God gave us the most precious thing ever in His Son, Jesus. I mean, you know, we carry the name of Jesus. There's a stewardship to the name of Jesus. You know, the other day, <laughs> this is so funny. I, I'm not a big fan of injustice, and I'm not a big fan of being taken advantage of. You know what I'm saying? And so if, if I see injustice, um, I'll undress it. You know, I just will. That's just my, this, my, my, that's what my personality has grown into. Well, we, <laughs> this is funny. And I'm not even saying this, I did this was the right thing to do. I'm just saying this is where I was at. Well, I'm sitting in line to, to eat at this place, um, uh, to eat in this place, right? So I'm there. And so there's a, there's a, there's a couple that's, there's some people behind me. And this group is in front of me. Well, they call these people, it's a long line. We're taking forever. I got crying kids out there. We got to feed people. There's there people are thirsty. You know, it's a big big deal in the Johnson. I'm staying in line. I got all the orders. I'm dad. I'm gonna make it all all right, right? And so this group of people called these people up to cut line and get in front, right? And so, but now in my mind, it's okay as long as one person pays for the meal and everyone's paying together. I don't know why it's like that. But, but if they just cut line and those people pay and then the next people make their order and then they pay, then that's wrong. <laughs> and I will call somebody out. I mean, I just, I'll just call them out. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be redneck about it. I'm just going to make eye contact. I know that you've done wrong, right? <clears throat> but I got my Jesus loves you shirt on, right? I do. I got that live out loud shirt on. And and so and that's what happens. The guy cut and, and 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 it's not even. It's a sense of we're better than you, which I hate that. If y'all know me at all, there's how I many. Nobody's any better than anybody else. Can I get an amen? So anytime I see that man, I mow that down. And so um, anyway, so they did. So they just got in front of us, and but I didn't get a chance to really address it because it was already over, because I would have addressed it if I'd have known that one person wasn't going to pay for the meal, but then it happened, and so now I'm just fuming. <laughs> I'm just mad. <laughs> but I got my Jesus shirt on. How many you know I'm representing the king, and I'm about to lay my flesh down and pardon and forgive and let injustice just go straight by and not be my own video? I'm not saying I wanted to beat the guy up. I just wanted to let him know, I know you've wronged me. And, and what you've done is wrong. <laughs> but I'm repping something bigger than myself. Can I get an amen? How many know I'd have been forgiven if, if I, whatever I'd have done? Can I get it right? 
But I mean, I'm representing something that's greater than myself. And some of y'all just could be horrified that I'm even sharing, you know, I'm even saying this happened. But this is a real thing. This is real life. This is what happened to me, right? And I have a responsibility to carry the king of the kingdom with honor. And so I got to lay down my flesh and chill out and not say something that I shouldn't say because I'm representing someone greater than myself. Can I get an amen? How many of there's responsibility there? Now, in legalism, I'd be scared I was going to go to hell if I, if I said something to the guy, or I'd be scared I'd mess up my blessing, or I'd be cursed, or whatever, but I know all that's gone. Like, I know I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So now, I, there's a level of maturity that it takes for me to carry my vessel in honor. Are y'all tracking me here? Amen. And I, I didn't say nothing. Praise God. I was a good boy. My wife was on to me. She's like, don't you say nothing. Don't say that. And, and listen, I, I don't advocate being a doormat. Like, take a stand, but don't be a jerk and don't be a redneck. Can I get an amen? I mean, so you can't. Anyway, so, all right, moving right along. But my, my, my point in all of that is saying, how much more of a responsibility is it for those of us who are free and who understand the gospel, who understand the new covenant, how much more of it is it our responsibility not to abuse our freedom and our liberty and give grace a bad name? I could probably say that same statement 30 more times and just say it over and over and over again. Because there's a lot of people in the grace community that they're giving grace a bad name. And, and, and what you're doing, and, and, and not, not anybody in this church, but I'm saying like something that I see. And so the legalists are looking at that like, that's what y'all got? I don't want that. And I'm like, we don't want that either. <laughs> we, we ain't about that. That's crazy. But how many know the enemy's always going to raise something up on the other side of the field? How many know the enemy plays both sides of the coin? And so he's going to try to make grace look bad because people are free and understand the grace of God are not stewarding their liberty with wisdom, but they're using it as an occasion to the flesh. And how many know that it, that it, that it makes... It makes what Jesus did on the cross look bad. And I mean, we can't have that. Now, let me make, and as I say that, please understand, you're going to have days when you fail. I'm not pulling that away from you. I mean, you're going to have days when, when, you, when you do give somebody a piece of your mind. You're going to have days when you make a mistake. Have days when you give in to temptation. Have days when you get mad. And I mean, oh, God still got you. Can I get an amen? We can't take that away from you. I can't put you over into this cycle of, of this hamster wheel of legalism. but So I would never do that, and so I have to balance the statement. But I am also saying this, how much more important it is for us to carry ourselves to honor because we are free. Can I get an amen? And this is where maturity happens. This is where growing up happens. Amen? Because we don't obey because we're threatened. We obey because we love. We don't obey because we're threatened. We obey because we love. <clears throat> amen? Okay. 1 Corinthians 15, I, didn't, I never said anything to that guy. I wanted to, though. I had to quit thinking about it. <laughs> I was like, I must stop thinking about this. Praise God. I know none of y'all have ever had a moment like that before. I do notice that in Arkansas, they passed the law that you can't drive slow in the fast lane. And I almost, I almost screenshotted it and posted it up. Somebody's finally hearing God. You might have never heard me preach. No, that wears me out. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. We all have our, our things. 
1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, Paul makes this statement. He says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. How many old grace, when people aren't really exhibiting maturity, can make people lazy? <laughs> Thank you for that one yes and that one nod, right? People, like, but seriously, when you've labored hard in legalism and you get burnt out and then the grace of God comes to rescue you, you have this season of where really you don't need to do anything. You just need to sit down and know that you're a child of God. And you're healing. But you can't stay there because if you stay there, then what ends up happening is the grace of God, you, you aren't stewarding that grace. You're not maturing with that grace. And that's what I see a lot when I, you know, when I go in different circles and stuff like that. Paul said, look, I know I'm free to do whatever I want. I know I'm loved. I know I'm the righteousness of God. I know I'm a child of God. I know that. But, th but this grace was not given to me in vain. I labored more abundantly than all the other apostles. Now, that's a deep statement. Because he basically just, told, he just through Peter, James, John, all of them said, I work harder than all them guys. And it's recorded in Scripture. So he must have been telling the truth. But I love, but he doesn't, but he doesn't exalt himself. You've got to be very careful here. Anytime you see an exaltation of a human being, you need to pull back and question it. He doesn't do that. In the very same statement, he says this. He says, I labored more abundantly than they all. He's like, man, I was, I was diligent, yet not I. I love that. He's saying, but it wasn't me. It was the grace of God which was with me. How many of Paul was stewarding that superhuman power, that superhuman energy, that superhuman divine empowerment of Christ Jesus in him, and as a result of that, it Paul was more diligent under grace than he was under legalism. And Paul was extremely diligent under legalism. And so ultimately, as you mature in the grace of God, it should produce a diligence in you. Can I get an, an oh me? <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> Give me something, right? It should produce a diligence in you. But it's not a diligence that's born out of having to do something, it's a diligence that's, that's born out of a place of love. Are y'all tracking me here? How I many you know when you're operating in love and you're wanting to do something out of a place of love, there's a desire there, there's a health there, there's a wholeness there. When I was up here worshiping, Eli kissed me in the face probably 10 times. He was just, love you, Dad, love you, Dad, love you, Dad. Now, had I told him to kiss me 10 times, it probably wouldn't happen. Because he's a strong-willed little, little guy. But out of the place of, of a desire and a want to in the presence of love, there, there was relationship that happened. Are you all tracking me here? And what I'm saying is, man, as, the grace of, as, you, as you mature in the grace of God and as you grow up in it, a diligence will arise out of you, a powerful diligence to serve God, to serve each other. Amen. To, uh, to be a steward of that grace and a steward of that liberty. And as I'm standing here before you, please don't think I'm up here like, well, I've, I've always done the right thing. I've been amazing the whole time. I'm just awesome. I'm not saying that. I have, I have not always, um, by any stretch of the means, stewarded grace properly. And I think that when you, when you first get something as powerful as the grace of God, 
you're almost like a teenager with it, you know, and you, you don't, and you, you're, you're like peeling out in the parking lot and doing donuts <laughs> with the grace of God. Ethan, I'm not telling you to do that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, until it snows and I'll be right out there with you. Um, but like, but ultimately, like even like, let, take a look at the prodigal son. How many of the prodigal son, someone could look at him on the outside and think he's abusing the father's love? But how many he wasn't? He actually wasn't. He, he was just testing the boundaries of how far that love went. And how many of that love met him right, right in his place of failure? And here's the thing I want to say to everybody here, everybody watching online. I don't care how far you go, God's love will meet you there. And what happens is, is when, when you realize you cannot run this love and this grace, it actually conquers you, and then you just come back home. And you're like, you know what? It's better at home. I love you, God. I want to be with you. I don't want to run from you. And that's where grace actually sets you free from the dominion of sin because it's, it's harder to sin against love than it is to sin against anger and judgment. You know, under the old way of, of, of thinking things, how many of y'all used to think you could break fellowship with God? You sinned or something, you broke fellowship. So my thought process is, well, all right, it, you know, it's 10, it's 10 a.m., I've broken fellowship with God. I've already broken fellowship, so I'm just going to be a heathen all day and then confess my sins at night, <laughs> get back into fellowship, you follow me? And that's just how it is. But un, uh, I mean, because it's easier to push away from what you think is judgment. But now that I understand grace of God, I know that when I've made a mistake at 10 a.m., God still got his arms wrapped around me saying, I love you, son. You're better than this. You got this. And then it's harder for me to stay in my flesh because love won't leave me alone. Y'all tracking me here? And, and, and that's actually how the cycle of sin is broken off of somebody's life because it removes that sense of condemnation and separation. You're not going to separate yourself from God. You just can't. He's moved inside of you. You know, just like my son. How I many of my son cannot separate himself from my DNA? He can't do it. Well, if my corruptible human seed is powerful enough to maintain his identity, how much more the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, able to keep you a child of God even when you're lying down in the pig pen. And your pig pen might be, it might, it might be outright sin. It might not be outright sin. It might be laziness. It might be, it might be you know, turning your back on your calling or, or, or taking your giftings and just burying them and putting them in the ground or whatever. God's, God's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And your gifts are never going to change. They're without repentance. You're always going to have those graces in your life. How many of you know there are people in Hollywood that are, being, that are serving the devil with the grace that God gave them? When you see somebody with a beautiful voice, you see somebody with the ability to all these different gifts, those are God's graces. They're, those are gifts from God. Now, they made a decision to serve the enemy with it, but they're still God's gifts. It's just the truth. And so even, even if, you're, if you're in that place, be at peace. God's never going to leave you. God's, see, you can't pull back from freedom and really expect people to grow. See, I mean, you, you can't grow up until you can make a mistake and know that you're not going to be kicked out. Y'all tracking me here. You need to know that you can fail. You need to know that you can fall short. You need to know that He's still with you and He's still for you. That's what woos your heart. That's what changes your life. If you think you're one step away from rejection all the time, you're just going to live in a state of fear and you're going to fall into that performance trap and you're going to be forced to kiss your father. You're not going to kiss your father because you want to. And God may have your actions on the outside, but he don't have your heart. 
How many you know you can make somebody do something? For example, this grace camp. This, this camp we did, we had almost 70 kids. And the grace of God is so thick in this camp. And we put the attention on Jesus. And we're not throwing legalism all over these kids. You know what? You know how many behavioral problems we had? Zero. You know how many people we had sneaking out of their dorm going over to the girls' or boys' dorm? Zero. You know how many fights we had? Zero. Why? Because God's there. Now, if I'd have got up and preached legalism, all hell would have broke loose. There ain't no flesh like teenage flesh. <laughs> Seriously. Like you can't even, even I, one of my clip, one of my videos that I did, it was talking about camp rules, and it was supposed to be funny, but it was throwing out some legalism. I didn't realize it, and I was watching it thinking, oh, this is not good. I shouldn't have done this. And it was a funny thing, but what it was does, it, it, it started bringing in demand on the kids. Demand. And, I, you know, and when I get up there, I don't have 35,000 rules. I don't. Just respect, love each other, care. How I many you know if I, you can create an atmosphere of grace. Now, if someone, how I many you know some people need some rules? They do, man, because they're not mature enough to handle freedom. But I'm saying as a whole, we didn't have any of those, those challenges or problems. The only thing I told the kids is no girls in the boys' dorm, no boys in the girls' dorm. And that goes for counselors as well. No, count, no boy counselor in the girls' dorm. No, you know, that's the only thing I said the whole time we were there. And we had no trouble. Why? Because grace works. It's one of the, it's one of the most shining examples uh, why? Because the kids have a want to love each other. The kids have a want to respect each other. We had all different nationalities there. We had white, black, Hispanic. You know, we didn't have any trouble with racism. Nobody saw color whatsoever. It was amazing. It was amazing. It's Jesus. It's the Lord. Amen? But man, you introduce legalism to that type of environment and it will explode. Amen. But freedom... The want to, the desire, happens in that place of grace. But how many know in the very same breath that, that we're called to serve? Amen. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. We're called to serve each other. Amen. We're called to serve God. And, and that place of serving, that's your happy place. And there are some people in grace where they've forgotten this element because they think it's legalism, and then they grow bored with the gospel and then they start trying to embrace something new that's not scriptural because they need something new. They're like, oh, I just need something new. Listen, if someone's giving you something new and it's not in Scripture, it's not God. Okay? Some people, they just want something new so bad that they're ready to just create something. And then they'll create this and they'll create this. And the next thing you know, what they have does not look like Jesus Christ does not look like Christianity. Why? It's so far removed from the Scriptures. How did that happen? They got bored. You know, they, they wanted to hear something new. I need a new message. No, you need to take what you have and you need to serve with it. There's excitement in serving. There's excitement in giving of yourself. Can I get an amen? Hebrews chapter 6 and in verse 10 it says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards His name, and that you have ministered to the saints, and do minister. God notices your serving. God notices your, your serving, your giving of yourself. It's beautiful to Him. And I'll take it a step further. All that time you spent serving in legalism, it's not in vain. How I many of you, know, you served God. 
Can I get an amen? Come on, man. I need that. I mean, for, for us, I mean, we spent 14 years pouring our, our, some of the, you know, the greatest, you know, our 20s were spent, poured out. 20, I mean, we were, I can't even convey to you how much we were in church. We were in church, you know, five days a week, four-hour services. Every penny we had went to the church. Every second we had went to the church. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But listen, we did it because we thought it was unto the Lord. God's not unjust. Forget our work and labor of love. Even though all we were doing was feeding a machine and we didn't know it was a machine, we were actually serving God in our hearts. Can I get any man? People that sent money to these TV televangelists and they took that money and abused it and used it. How many know you gave that money to God? Can I get an amen? Whatever they did with that stuff, that's between them and God. You gave that money to God. Amen? God's not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. God sees what you are giving of yourself. And it's beautiful to Him. Amen? It's good, man. It's good. And then let's turn to Matthew 25 and verse 37 here. This is Jesus speaking. And these are some of the most powerful, these are some really powerful words of Jesus. Because I don't know about you guys, but like, I want to do something. I like, oh, how good would it be to be able to, to make Jesus a sweet tea and hand it to him? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or make Jesus a meal or, you know, tie Jesus' shoes or just like anything for Jesus, man. Golly, I mean, I just start to think about stuff like that and, and just get overwhelmed because you're just so grateful. In Matthew 25 and verse 37, he says, he says, Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in and naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. How many know when you are serving Christians, or when you're serving humanity, you're giving to Jesus. Can I get an amen? It changes things. You know, last Tuesday night when we did evangelism, one of the things that we did was a really hot night, and we took a, a cooler full of drinks and just took them out and just started handing them out to people wherever we went. And how many, how many know that every bottle of water I hand out, I'm giving it to Jesus? Every Gatorade that I'm giving out, I'm giving it to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus identifies your humanity to the point He's saying, when you serve the least of these, you serve me. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that lovely? It's awesome, man. And it, and it really is. It's what living is all about. In Mark chapter 10, and verse, uh, flip over there real quick, because we're going to start, we're going to wrap up here. But Mark chapter 10, and uh, just talking about the joy of serving. You know, I'm called to serve my wife, I'm called to serve my children, I'm called to serve this church. I'm called to, to serve. And man, I, there's a joy in it. Because nobody's taking advantage of you. Nobody's running you. Nobody's ruling you. Why? Because you have the freedom to choose to do it or choose not to do it. In legalism, you don't have a choice. And because you don't have a choice, it actually it hurts your heart when you do it. Once you wake up to the bondage. But when you, when you can choose to do it or choose not to do it, there's a beauty in it. Can I get an amen? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It's beautiful when it's, when it's done properly. Amen? Mark chapter 10 and verse 42, Jesus talking. He says, But Jesus called them to Himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great, great ones exercise authority. And he's saying, you know, when you're, when, you're a, when you're great in the world's kingdom, everybody serves you, and you're, you're the man. 
He, but he says, no, the kingdom's not like that. He said, yet it shall be not so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So in the kingdom, you start finding out all these graces that have been given to you and all these giftings as you, 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 you serve with it. That's where greatness is at. Oh, it's so, it, it, see, and when you know who you are and you're doing it out of a place of love and you're doing it out of a place of joy, it feels good. It feels so good because you don't have to do it. You're choosing to do it. Now, if you're made to serve, then there's not going to be that joy. There's not. But when you choose it out of a place of love, there's a joy. And not only is there a joy, there's like a strength that goes along with it. Like, like you're serving and it's like, it's so cool because if you get a room full of people ready to serve each other, everyone's serving each other. Nobody's lording over anybody. Everybody's serving. I'm not saying we don't have leadership, but I'm saying like we're all ready to serve. We're all ready to prefer. We're all ready to give someone else the best seat. Oh, here's, it's a secret. There's a secret right here. There's happiness right there in that place. But once again, if you're doing it because you have to or you're being made to, it won't be a joy. Because it's not a choice. Are y'all tracking me here? Totally different situation. Amen. <laughs> She's saying dad that over there. Amen. I don't know if it's addressed to me or not, but I'm just going to assume that it is. <laughs> she just starts saying it, and I don't know that she knows it's me, but she's just saying it. So anyway, amen. It's good. And so um, and so there's let's turn to Acts chapter 20, please. A couple more scriptures here and we close. But 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 we get to, we get to choose to, you know. Oh, I just love it. I just, I just, oh, it's just so beautiful. Because we weren't taught this in legalism. In legalism, it's like everybody serve you. You know, and the cooler you are, the more people serve you. And it was like a pyramid scheme. And if you're up top, you don't serve nobody. Everybody serve you. Second level, everybody serve. And then it was like the kingdom is not a pyramid scheme. In fact, it's upside down. Jesus said, I've didn't I've come to serve. I'm here to serve. And he gave us an example of it. Like when it's happening and everybody's serving each other, it's like days of heaven on earth. It's beautiful. In our family, when we're all helping each other, you know, when we're all serving each other, it, it's, it's beautiful. And sometimes we do that well, sometimes we don't. But, but like if we're all looking out for each other, then there's just a, oh, it's just good, man. It's just good. But once again, it's out of a place of choice. It's not out of a place of being made to. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this is Paul speaking. He said, you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. How I many that's what serving is? Serving is giving. It's giving of yourself. Now, in your relationship with God, how many know God's greater than you? Right? And so you know what God's going to do? God's actually going to serve you because he's greater than you. Now, I know ultimately you're called to serve Him, and we're all serving Him. But how I many know in your relationship with God, He's going to give to you, and you're going to take what He gives? Can I get an amen? He's going to give you love. He's going to give you peace. He's going to give you joy. He's going to give you blessing. Because He's greater than you, you're going to take it, and you're going to take it. How I many they which receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life? In this vertical relationship, you need to be on the take. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Why? Because you don't have nothing to give if you don't take from the Lord. And how many know you're not going to deplete the Lord? 
He's not going to run out of mashed potatoes. You know what I'm saying? He's not going to run out of peace or blessing. In fact, with the Lord, when you take from him, it actually increases. But in your, in your, in your, uh, in your horizontal relationships, it's more blessed to give. How, how, do you, how do you give all the time? I'm not, I'm not I'm talking about finances. I'm talking about just giving of yourself. How many you got to take from the Lord? You take from him, and you have something to give. Can I get an amen? Like, and that's why your relationship with God is so important because, you know, when you, when, you, when you feel really depleted, then, man, you just need time with him. You're not there to punch a time card to show him that you're good. You're there because you need him. And, and different people, it's different, different ways. Me, I'm, I'm a prayer guy. <clears throat> I pray in the Spirit. That's what I do. That's, what I, that's my thing, man. You know, some people, you know, they, they study a bunch of chapters. <clears throat> Other people, they take a walk with him and talk to him in nature. Other people, they worship. Stacy loves to worship. That's one of the ways that her tank gets filled up. Uh, but it's different for everybody. And I don't think any of us should pattern our lives perfectly after somebody else. But, I mean, you know, you got that thing you do that fills your tank up with the Lord. I know people who they hear from God while they're working. Like, I got friends. Like, they will hear from God while they're in action. A lot of times these are people that have serving gifts. And um, it's just different for everybody. But you've got those things that energize you. How many old church should energize you? <clears throat> church should strengthen. You should, walk into, you should walk out of church stronger than when you came in. Why? Because the fellowship of the saints are here. The believers are here. Amen? We're strengthening each other. You guys strengthen me. You know, one of the greatest things you guys can do for me is just show up. <laughs> like, that blesses me as a minister. When you, when, you, when, you, when you just show up, like, that is a tremendous blessing to me. And not only is it a blessing to me, but, like, it's a blessing to those around you. How many know it's encouraging to come in and see other people that have come? Amen. And the enemy, he always tries to attack and stop the body of Christ and the body of Christ from coming together because a predator gets his best job done when people are separated from the flock. But we take a stand against that. We all are, we're all blessing each other. Amen. And, um, but there's different ways. But, but as far as being blessed, it's more blessed to give horizontally than it is to receive. Amen. But with your relationship with the Lord, it's more blessed to give. Now, Colossians, it's our final verse here. I'm trying to get more punctual here, here lately. I'm trying to do a better job. I, I just feel like if I can't say what i got to say in an hour, I need to change the way I say it. That's, that's, that's just the way I feel. I mean, I came from, we came from services that were four hours long. I mean, we used to have four hours. And, 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 and in my opinion, that's doing an injustice to people's families. Now, hey, man, revival breaks out and the glory of God shows up, we can all eat lunch later. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We'll be fine, but... But, but, but your spirituality isn't numbered by how much you're in church. I need to say that 20,000 more times. Church should bless this life so that you are empowered to live this life. We were in church so much, we didn't have time to be out in the real world. And so we really couldn't, real, you get ministered here and filled up so you can do the real stuff out there. How many know your pulpit is your daily life? You have a pulpit that I don't have. I'm talking about where you go, where you hang out, where you spend time. That's your pulpit, man. And, and people are watching your life, and you're different. Amen. And so, you know, so anyway, but we were in church so much, we couldn't actually live in the real world. We were the light gathering together as the light, and we didn't spend hardly any time shining in the darkness. No, no, no. Church should fill you up and bless you and send you out. Amen. Anyway, praise God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, 
He says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So all of your serving, all of your stewardship, all the things that you're giving, all the things that you're blessing, all these things, it's unto the Lord. Amen? Because you just never know the impact you are having. You just don't know. Like, you know, like, you know, I talk about this all the time, but, you know, I had a teacher in high school that took me under his wing and sowed the seeds of the gospel into my life. I fought him tooth and nail the whole time. I never received from him the whole time. But how many know that his actions that he didn't get a chance to see come to fruition at all are a, are a big part of my testimony now? You never know what that, but what that kind word out in public does to somebody. You never know what, what, you know, just giving somebody a bottle of water or being kind to somebody or, or in church giving somebody a hug or listening to them talk or spending time with them. You understand what I'm saying? You don't, we don't know because how many know that it's, it's a ripple effect in the kingdom? You affect this person and then they affect this person and they affect this person. <clears throat> you ever seen the whole pay it forward concept? You know, one car in Starbucks pays for somebody's meal, and then the next one pays, and then the next one pays. How many know good and evil are handed like batons in everybody's life every day? Like the guy that cut in front of me in the restaurant? I don't know where he's been. I don't know what he's been through. Maybe he had the worst day of his life. Maybe he had a challenging day. And he passed on poo to me. <laughs> and I had a decision whether I'm going to pass on poo to somebody. I wanted to throw it back at him is what I wanted to do, but I didn't because I had my Jesus shirt on. Praise God. <laughs> I said, honey, is there another shirt out in the car? Because uh, I'd like to change. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. But we have a decision. How about you can pass on anger? You can pass it on, man, in traffic. You know what I'm saying? You can pass it on. Or you can take that. When someone hands you anger, you can take that baton and put it on the cross, and you can pass on peace. Can I get an amen? Whatever you pass on gets on your hands. And how many of we want good things on our hands, not bad things on our hands? Amen. But there is a maturity and there's a stewardship with the grace of God. And um, I just we want to grow up and we want to mature and we want to handle that uh, in a place of beauty. Amen? So that's, that's the word that I have for you today. So if you need to give it out this morning, lift your hand up. We'll get one to you.